Australia's scariest ladies. I think she's one of the she's classed as one of the world's most infamous yeah. serial killers. But I don't. She's not a serial killer. She only killed once. She did. She only killed once. But she was the first woman in Australia to ever get life without parole. Yeah, yeah. And she'll never have her category jail category of four ever changed. Nope. And so we are talking about the one and only. Catherine, Catherine Knight. Yes, Catherine Knight. And I've even done a look inspired by this you woman have. before. I don't think anyone got the reference. <laughs> 2019 Halloween. Mm. Stab, stab, stab. Stab, stab, stab. Well, Catherine Knight, or The Butcher of Aberdeen, or um, Hannah Lecter. She has like all these weird nicknames. I mean, it, I can see why. Just a few. But this woman had a long relationship with violence. And fucking. Yes, she liked sex and she liked... Violence. Violence. I had no problems with these two things. Mm. It's more the murder side of things that happens. But sex and violence, especially combined, can be very fun. It can be. It can be. I mean, you do as you're told or you get punched in the face. Yes. (laughs) And that was pretty much her motto. Do as you told her, I'll stab you in the chest. Pretty much. And and in the end, she followed through. Yeah. And as always, hello, content warning. Yeah, there's content warning. There's murder. There's violence. There's a lot. Yeah, and if you don't like it, switch off because there's a lot of violence. And by this point, if you don't like it, why are you still listening? But keep listening then. Yes, yes. Who are we to judge? But this isn't the podcast if you don't like anything bloody, gory, all the good atheist, stuff. all the fun stuff. Um, so let's get right into it and talk about little young Kathy Knight. Uh, young Kathy Knight was born on the 24th of October, 1955, half an hour later after her twin sister. So she's a twin. She's the feminine twin. And you know what? I'm not even surprised at her birthday because she's a Scorpio. Do, 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 do. And you don't like Scorpios. We don't like Scorpios here. Yeah, Pisces are the one uh, most common serial killer. Yeah. Not the Scorpio. Scorpios just think about doing it. 
They generally yeah. don't do it. I just don't trust Scorpios. Well, Cappy was born to Barbara Rohan and Ken Knight. Now, Barbara had previously been married to another man and had four children to him oh. and had an affair with Ken Knight in their little town of Aberdeen in New South Wales. Yeah. It was so scandalous that they had to run away from the little town oh, to Queensland where they gave birth to another four children. Wow. Kath, so she gave birth to Kathy and her twin sister Joy and two boys. I can't remember if the boys are older or younger. They had four children together. Fun. Yeah. And when you see Kathy is apparently more, in the words of the family, more attractive, feminine appearing, feminine acting than her twin sister Joy. Okay. And her twin sister Joy went underground after everything. I could imagine. Now, Kathy was was brought up in, as with a lot of serial killers, a violent and sexually aggressive household. Well, yeah. Like, her dad would accusedly, it has, some has been confirmed, some hasn't been confirmed by other family members, would chase down their mother, so would chase down Barbara, this is Ken Knight, would chase down Barbara and rape her up to ten times a day. Wow. But some sources say that Barbara was in on this sometimes and other times. Oh, so it was, so it was a like a filthy role play. It could have been a filthy role play or they had like this maybe, hey, I'm going to surprise you and just fuck you and you're okay. not going to know. Because yeah, okay. there are relationships like that. Yeah, there are some. Yeah. yeah. I know I've had a partner who used to just randomly go, we're going to fuck. Okay. And it's just like, okay. <laughs> it's just like it was agreed upon thing it just would happen at the most random times so it's just like okay huh. let's go for it I wish some of my exes had that spontaneity but let's <laughs> let's digress enough about our perverted pansexual I don't know what I am it's just asexual yeah enough about our filthy sex lives yes but Barbara would relay stories of their sex and the chases and the violence that she experienced to Kathy and her sister Joy and basically wow. would say how much she hated sex and how much she hated men. Wow. So Kathy was instilled with an androgynistic look of life. Yeah. So she hated men. Okay. But she loved men at the same time. Okay. So it was very toxic kind of brainwashing in a way. Yeah. And Knight would say she was, until about she was 11, one of her stepbrothers would sexually assault her. Now, none of the other family members know about this. Mm-hmm. No one can confirm if it happened or not, so everyone, we just have to take her word for it. And yeah. we're not going to not believe the victim because yeah, it could exactly. be very true. In this kind of household, I'd say sexual assault on by other family members, like the boys mimicking what dad yeah. does, yeah. things like that. I can see how Just that like would a happen. a breeding pool for, like, violence. toxic violence. But no one else in her family has been done for too much violence. Okay. Just, like, the pub brawls and things like that, but nothing to yeah. what Kathy's extent was. But Kathy told, apparently told her mum about all this, and her mum just said, eh, just put up with it. Because she was also a drunk, apparently. Oh, a drunk kid, yeah. Yeah. So, but Kathy was remembered by people at school mm-hmm. as a bully. Um. Now, she assaulted another student with a hockey stick. She assaulted a teacher with something. Not, it's not written anywhere what she is, but she assaulted the teacher with a weapon. She is. <laughs> she would bash boys' heads in. She would smack around other girls, so she had a nice tendency of being a bit violent on the playground. Yeah. But her and her sister Joy would get into fisticuffs all the time. Yeah. So whether Joy obviously hasn't picked up any of these things that we know of yet. Yeah. We don't she, know. She might have 33 bodies hidden underneath that floor. Who knows? <laughs> we don't know yet. Hopefully she doesn't. So by the time Cabby left school at 15, she couldn't read or write. 
Oh. Just too busy bullying in the playground. Yeah. So they were living back in Aberdeen at this time, and Aberdeen was known as, like, mainly for its mining and abattoir work. Yep. Uh, abattoir, for any American listeners, is a slaughterhouse. Yeah. So she, her dream job was to work in a slaughterhouse like her father, her grandfather, her uncles, like everyone else. That was her dream. She, she wanted did. to work at the abattoir. Yeah. And she got that job at the age of 16. Yes, but she started, her first job she got was as a cutter at a clothing factory. So, uh-huh. and she was given a very sharp pair of dress scissors, which she took around with her everywhere she went. Like, she still had them until she was arrested. And they come into play later on. So they're important to remember them. So when she was six, she applied once at 15 to get into the abattoir, and they knocked her back. And then she applied again when she was 16, and they took her on. And she started out in the offal room. Mm -hmm. So she was cutting out all the guts, making those into things like your tripe, your kidneys all the lovely, beautiful, delicious-tasting offal that yeah. people like me enjoy to eat. No, it's not awful. It's awful. It's awful. It's awful, okay? It's <laughs> awful. Look, people say I'm a horrible person. I've been told because I eat meat before I'm a horrible person. At least I eat all the parts of the animal. Mm-hmm. I'm not picky. Okay, fair. What about you guys at home? Are you Team Lucy and you believe that it's awful? Or Team Connie and you eat awful? I mean, I've eaten an animal's heart as a performance before. This is true. So I'm very biased. (laughs) But she started her job there, and she worked there for a while until she got promoted to work in the boning room. Yes. And that's when she was given her first set of knives. Mm -hmm. And these became like her children later on. She loved her knives. So... When I was researching it, I think it's funny that as she climbed the ladder in the abattoir, she was most known by the other staff members of her skills of beheading the pigs. Yeah. That was like her, that was her kill move. That was what she did precisely and perfectly. Yeah, she used to hang out with the guy who ran the pig room all the time, and he remembers her. She used to come in and she used to nick the arteries, like the jugular vein, and the carotid artery and out of the pigs and just watch them bleed out. Wow. Before she would slaughter them, making it a clean yeah. clean process. Wow. And other people who worked in the abattoir remember her for that, saying that she just used to watch it. Watch as the pigs and that would hang there and flail. So that's a bit sadistic. Yes. But it makes you wonder if later on down the track, if working in the abattoir help get rid of that first to kill, whether that was, like, a yeah, sanctioned way of was, doing it for her. It was quenching it. Yeah, quenching that. And then once lust. it built up over time, she did what she did. Yeah, because she never, at yeah. the point where, when she did her crime, she wasn't working. Yeah. So it makes you wonder if she was working, would it not have happened? But she, like, cradled these knives yeah. and everything. Now, Catherine was basically known as the town bike, mm-hmm. the fuck rat. I saw that term. Wow. <laughs> I've never heard fuck rat before. Wow. And I've been around a lot of bogans and country people. Yeah. Like, we live in a country area. I've never heard of a fuck rat Neither. in my life. I mean, look, I'm just probably going to go in my wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah. Because I know quite a few people who are fuck rats. Yeah, so do I. And I mean... It's not slut-shaming. No. I mean, go for it. If you want to have sex constantly, go for it. Yeah. Which is what the problem was that, well, Kathy faced. She liked sex. She yeah. liked, she and liked appar- it. And apparently she was good at it. Oh. Apparently she was amazing. She, she was, was a fuck rat. <laughs> yeah. So she had a string of failed relationships, starting with, David Kellett, who she yep. married in 1974. And so that, I'm not entirely sure how long it lasted, but she did try to strangle him for the sole purpose he was bad at sex. No, he wasn't bad at sex. So, didn't give her enough? 
No. So a bit of backstory on David. David and David used to work at the train yard at the mining. Mm-hmm. So at the mining, at the mine, at the quarry, he used to work there. And he's seen a few shunting accidents and kids get crushed and died. Yeah. So he became a bit of an alcoholic. So him and Kathy used to get drunk together at the bottom pub. So Aberdeen had two pubs. Yeah. The bottom pub and the top pub. One's at the top of the hill, one was at the bottom of the hill. Uh-huh. So they used to get drunk together at the bottom of the hill. If you start at the bottom, you can't go any lower. Yeah. So David and Kathy kind of bonded over alcohol and violence. Yes. In a way. But so her and David got married in 1974 and on their, so she tried to strangle him on their wedding night. But the problem was David was so drunk from drinking all day and all that, he was only able to get up twice for the ah, action. See, okay. So he, they had sex twice. Now, Kathy was upset because her mother kept telling her her and her mother and her dad had sex five times on their wedding night. So two times wasn't good enough. Oh, Kathy. I get it. So that's why she strangled him. wasn't that he wasn't good at sex. It's just he had whiskey dick. Yes. And, whiskey he, dick. Couldn't, and he couldn't get to it. Now, he, he, him and her got into lots of domestics. Mm-hmm. Like, they were all, she would always beat him up. He only laid his hand on her once, apparently. And that was in self-defense. So when they got married, they had a little girl born in May 1976 called Melissa. Now, David left her a few months after Melissa's birth. So he left her for another woman. Oof. Yeah, because... Was that 1984, did you say? 1976. Oh, 1976. I think you're thinking of um, Saunders. He, yes. he was in the 1980s. Yeah, that's when they met. Yeah, but basically what happened was after David worked as a truck driver for a while, and Kathy got angry about it. She all that. was a very, very jealous woman. Jealous. <laughs> and she had the belief <laughs> that being a truck driver, he had a different woman in every town. Yes, which was actually true. Well, he did. Yeah. And he left her for one of them and he moved to Queensland. Oof. And this was two months after the child was born. Oh. So Kathy was seen after he left walking down the street and she was with the pram with little baby Melissa in it. And she was swinging the prayer from side to side to side to side, oh. like really shaking the baby. Now, don't shake the baby. Now, don't shake the baby! <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, she, the baby was taken off her and she was taken to um, St. Elmo's Hospital. Okay. There near Aberdeen. And she was diagnosed with postnatal depression and was released a couple of days later. Okay. So when she was released those that day later or so, she then took baby Melissa and put her on the train tracks in the pram. Oh, oh dear. Now she was watched by the lady at the corner shop called Warner as she did this and watched as after Kathy did this, walk into someone's yard and pick up a wood axe. Whoa. Now baby Melissa was rescued by a man called Old Ted. Old Ted. Oh, yeah. Good on him. Old Ted was just a man who lived in a shack foraging off the land and things like that. And he saw it happen, and he rescued Baby Melissa seconds before the train was meant to come through. Yes, yes, I do remember reading reading that. But Kathy, who took the axe, was swinging it (laughs) up and down the street, threatening people to kill them. Kathy, this is not what you're meant to do in society. (laughs) Well, she was taken back to hospital after police managed to get the ass off her and arrest her, huh. and she was released the next day. Wow, Kathy. You're yeah. good at talking. She released herself the next day. So she wasn't put under there, like, under any scheduling because the Mental Health Act hadn't come in. Yeah, jeez. So the, day that, the next day after she was released, Kathy rung up, these people that she knew saying that Melissa was sick and she needed to take Melissa, the baby, 
to the doctor. So they went, oh, okay, so the woman put her two kids in the car and drove over to Kathy's house. And they expected when they got there for Kathy to come out with baby Melissa and say, okay, let's go to the doctor. No, instead she was holding a knife. Kathy. <laughs> and attacked the woman's 16-year-old daughter and slashed her across the face. Wow. And demanded that the mother drive her to Coffs Harbour to kill David Kellett's mother. Because she knew that would get his attention. So. Wow. <laughs> the woman was smart. She drove to the servo. So the servo was the only mechanic in town. And the guy, interesting fact, the guy who was the mechanic only had one leg. Oh, wow. Good job. Just interesting. And he was called Hoppy. Oh, Hoppy. Oh, you know, good old country oh, name. Oh, shops at IHOP. We don't have IHOP in Australia. I know, but it was a funny joke. <laughs> Joseph Lucy. <laughs> so anyway, the woman drove to Servo, and Knight was just like, I can kill the mechanic. <laughs> because what? he fixed the car that let Kellett get away. Wow, Kathy, your list is... You need to call your list back a little bit. <laughs> now, this is before she did a murder. Yeah, this is... She was... Look. This is postnatal depression. Yeah, wow. And postnatal depression is... It can be powerful. Yes. So anyway, the woman's son got out of the car with an excuse of having an asthma attack. Okay. Fuck it. Fuck and he managed to alert the police. So they called the police... The police get there, Knight with the knife, was swinging it around, trying to kill Poppy and that. So the police disarmed her by using brooms to get the knife off her before arresting her. Oh my goodness. So they played Quidditch with her. Yeah. She was the... Beater. She was the beater and they were the chasers. They had to use their brooms to dodge the knife. Wow. So she was taken back to the hospital again. And that's where she admitted that she was going to kill the mechanic because he fixed Kel's car that allowed him to run away with his girlfriend to Queensland. And that she was going to kill Kel's mother first because she knew that was going to get Kel's attention so then she could kill Kel. I mean, look, at least she's, like, kind of having a plan, but also this is why we don't stab people. Now, I don't know if Kel, when he moved away, he knocked up his girlfriend. So she got pregnant and was going to have a baby. Anyway, because he was the next of kin, the spouse, the husband, he got told, like, of her being admitted to hospital. So he left the girlfriend and came back down with his mother, who she was going to kill. Oh, my gosh. So that they could support her. And Knight was released from the hospital on the 9th of August, 1976, into the care of Kellett and his mother-in-law. Okay? So they moved to Brisbane... And then they moved back to Ipswich yep. in this time. Wow. When they were in Queensland, Kathy started to hang these knives above the bed. Ah, see, yeah, I read that. And she slept with her above her bed since then. Since then. Like, till until, the until the day she was arrested, just in case she needed them in the middle of the night. Because, you know... Who doesn't need a meat cleaving knife in the middle of the night? Me. <laughs> anyway, Kellett, this kind of woman, I wouldn't su- throw a surprise party for. Mm, no. I don't think she'd take a surprise very well, personally. <laughs> Not given her track record and the fact that she sits with a freaking knife over her bed. Well, for her 21st birthday. I can't wait to hear who got stabbed. <laughs> no one. Oh, wow. She acted like a normal person and was very loving and caring because this is the first time she got shown any true affection in her life. And to think that could have turned out to be one of the weirdest murder mysteries <laughs> in live-action well, birthday parties or surprise yeah, parties. Yeah, David Kellett's sister was living with them on and off for a while. And she never had a problem with Kathy. Wow. She always said, yes, she'd have these mood swings, but they never had a problem. Now, she, she remembers <laughs> this. I don't mean to laugh. It just, it's a laugh of shock. Yeah. That basically when they got, when she was living with David and Kathy, she remembers one day hearing 
that one of the children screamed blue murder. Like, absolutely screaming their head off. Oh. When she went to go investigate, Kathy was holding one of the children's arms under a tap of hot running water. Oh, dear. Like, boiling hot water. Why? And so, David's sister went and told David, and he said, look, don't say anything, don't do anything, because she'll probably kill us in our sleep. You do. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. I know. <laughs> to me, that's a warning sign. I'm not going to sleep here tonight. I'm going to go sleep at the bus station. Look, honestly, look, given her history thus far, I wouldn't sleep under the same roof with her regardless. But to just allow her to boil a child's mom in the sink is not... Just allow her to do it because she's crazy. I know, that's like... Sanction this woman. Like, wouldn't you take the children and run? Uh, but, you know... Anyway... <laughs> <laughs> wow. So then one day, David and his mother June go to pick up Kathy from her mother's house because they moved back to Aberdeen. Yep. Now, Barbara came out and basically grabbed David by the throat and basically stated that he was the reason for Kathy's breakdown. Barbara is Kathy's mum. Oof. Okay. Meanwhile, David's mother's sitting in the car and she remembers this. You see her interviews talking about this. Yeah. And she just remembers... Kathy came over and king hit her mother in the back of the head. Whoa! Because she said, never lay your hand on my husband again. My man again. Wow. And then she got in the car and they went home. Jeez. <laughs> and, then they moved to, and then they had another daughter and moved to Muscle. Shreya, the birthplace of the king here. <laughs> this wasn't all the violence. We haven't even got to the violence of the marriage yet. Now, Dave, when they were living in Musselbrook or Aberdeen, um, David came home one night late from a dance competition at a pub. Yeah. Now, this is some kind of cartoon fucking shit. Okay. He, I'm ready. Kathy hated her man being late home. Okay. She absolutely would hated Maybe because she was worried he was having more affairs? I would think so. So he arrived home late because he got into the finals of the darts competition at the pub. How dare you be a success and a winner at this game? So when he got home, she hit him over the head with a cast iron frying pan. <laughs> As a cast iron frying pan. Pretty sure. Like you just said, cartoon, I've seen that on the nutrients. And it fractured his skull. Jeez. But he never laid charges. Uh, of course not. So when they moved back to Aberdeen, she started working at the abattoir again. She was working at abattoir in Brisbane for a little while. Yeah. Get out of some of that repressed anger. For our listeners, they lived in Logan, Brisbane. So if you know Logan and Brisbane, that's where they lived. Just just as a side note. Yeah. Logan's like East Nara. Oh, fun. <laughs> so, like the Berkeley of all the going. Yeah, or I don't know where in Sydney. There's a wild place in Sydney. I don't know Sydney. All of it. Okay. Sydney's dangerous. Don't We're country <laughs> So she started working there. But she then started one day lifting all these, like, trunks and all that at home, squatting, picking them up badly, like, so that she could then go to work and injure her back and get out on workers' comp. Wow. So she got out on workers' comp and ended up on Seno. Sorry? Centrelink. Centrelink. That was the century point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she lived on Senna. Listen, as a mental health worker, Kathy, you can't be on workers' comp because work is the thing that's keeping you not killing people. It's helping express your anger. Well, she never worked at an abattoir again, which was her dream job, remember? Yes. So, but apparently she was a loving lover. I beg to differ. She boiled her kid's hand in the sink. I know. I, I have different definitions of a loving mother. Okay. Her children have never come out to speak of a bad word about her as a parent. Wow. Okay. All right. So You do you, Kathy Boo? Yeah. So then, after all this, one day Barbara told David, you better watch this one. 
I shall fucking kill you. Stir her up the wrong way, or do the wrong thing, you're fucked. <laughs> Don't ever think of paying up on her, or she'll fucking kill you. Wow. Could you imagine hearing that from, like, your mother-in-law? Yeah. Mm. Okay. And you stayed with her after the war, and that was from the mother-in-law. And they got, they ended up with a housing commission. Of course. So they got a housing commission home. So they lived there because she was on Santa Lincoln Vocus Comp. Things like that. Uh, now, things went okay for a while, just a couple of odd biffs and scrapes and things like that. Not, nothing bad. He got off easy compared to some of them. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, so, until David remembers waking up one night with Catherine sitting on his chest. Yep. With a knife to his throat, telling him, See how easy it is? <laughs> is it true that cut drivers have a different woman in every town? Yeah. I could kill you easily. Yeah. And so, then and then Kathy had an affair. She had an affair and left David. In 1984? Uh, in the early 1980s, I think it was like 1984. Yep. The date was never confirmed by this guy's family. Yep. Or yep. him. So, are we talking about David Saunders? Yes. She had a thing for David. Yeah, one David to another. So, David Saunders was 38. Mm-hmm. And he was from Scone. It's not Scone, it's Scones. The Scone. The place is called Scone. Scones with cream and jam. Exactly. So, she would. They didn't have a very long relationship, fortunately. But. It was eventful. <laughs> one of the things that I wrote down after, like, reading about David Saunders is that. I'm not entirely sure what led to it, but uh, out of frustration, she killed his puppy. His dingo puppy. <laughs> Please tell me why. So she was paranoid that he was going to leave her. So she killed <laughs> his puppy. She did it out of anger, and she admits that. So basically, they had a bit of a row, yep. and she disappeared. And he went looking for her, and she was at the back, mm-hmm. holding the dead dingo puppy bleeding from its throat with a knife in the other hand. Jeez. Telling him this is what she would do if he, she would do to him if he ever cheated on her. Bloody hell. Then she went and hit him with a frying pan. Kathy, someone needs to keep frying pans and shop objects away from this woman. Oh, wait. Hey, ah, she is in prison. Now, <laughs> they should have done it earlier, when she tried to kill a baby. Well, but even before that, like... So, after this fight, after she hit him, she took an overdose of tablets, mm-hmm. trying to feign that she killed herself. Trying to kill herself, because he was so violent. Wow. So, but he stayed with her, because that all happened in 1987. They had a kid in June 1988. So she killed his puppy. She hit him with a frying pan and tried to kill herself. And he stayed with her. Oh damn! And it goes back to she would apologize on her knees, and by that oh. I literally mean she was going <laughs> to them yeah. to say sorry. Oh damn! So they all stayed for the sex. Kathy, she was good in bed. Yeah, Kathy the fuck right. Yeah, fuck rats. I love that term so much. I do. Because <laughs> if you've ever owned rats and seen how they fuck, they just fuck and fuck and fuck and fuck. Even when they're giving birth, the male will come and fuck. Yeah. I've witnessed this. Yeah. It, it's rats weird. That's just how rats do. Yeah. But they gave birth to another daughter, Natasha. Natasha. So... Kathy then got a payout from workers' comp because of her back injury, and they put a deposit down on her house together. Now, this is when her obsession started with death and her knives and things like that. She would start decorating the house with animal carcasses. Uh Every room, every inch, the roof, everything. With animal carcasses, horns, 
old animal traps like rabbit traps and bear traps. She would even have them on the floor in corners, wow. open, ready wow. to work. Wow. So imagine a toddler running around. Wow. It could kill a toddler. Happy. She would hang machetes from the roof. We the need wall. to talk, son. We need to talk. And other hunting paraphernalia. Like, they just say hunting paraphernalia, so I'm thinking guns, skinning knives, aerating knives, all that kind of stuff. Fun. So that's when, and this was literally every room of the house, including the kids' nursery. Wow. The roof, the bathroom, everywhere. Let's have a drive to hell barbecue and invite Catherine to sort out the meat for us. Yep. Well, they got into another fight because he was late home, <laughs> and she hit David Saunders across the face again. Cartoon shit here. Oh my god! With a hot iron, oh and my he ended goodness. up with a burn on his face from the hot iron. Okay, David. Look, I'm not a professional, but you need to leave. <laughs> this is bad. You're trying to work with that, and this is the toxic masculinity coming in here with the culture, he would go to work and his workmates would take bets on what injuries he would turn up with. Wow. And instead of being like, wow, this woman is actually a crazy person. Yeah. Domestic violence happens to men and women. Yeah. Well, he got stabbed by her with a pair of scissors on that same night. So to me, if she had an iron and scissors... As someone who sews, she was doing some sewing. Yeah. And it would be those same sharp scissors from the cutting factory. So he was smart. He eventually took out all his money, everything, and ran and hid in Queensland. No, Newcastle, sorry. He ran and hid for years away from her. Good job, David. Now, she, in that time, took out a falsified AVO against him, saying that he was a white beater. Wow. And she would give herself bruises and that and go to the doctors. Wow. Yeah. Then she had another short relationship with a John Chillingsworth. John Chillingsworth. Who she had an affair, she was having an affair with when she was with David Saunders, who she said he could never have an affair on her because she'd slit his throat like she did to the dingo puppy. Oh, double standards, Kathy, double standards. Yeah. So they had a kid together. A little boy. And again, the same kind of violence happened. He got hit with a frying pan, stabbed with scissors. No one pieced any of these things together that she was the wild one and that these men were. Wow. Yeah. Then she cheated on John Chillingworth with John Price. David David, John John. John John. So, John Price. (sighs) Poor man. Pricey. Pricey paid the price. That was a horrible part. I feel terrible. <laughs> price, you definitely did not think that the price was right. No. Well, he was already a father of three. He was a miner, working at the mine in Aberdeen. And apparently he was the well-liked bloke all around the community. Everyone mm-hmm. loved him. He was the talk of the pub, talk of the town. He was just a good rep, all-around hard worker. Yeah. They used to say he used to do the hard yakka and have a nice coldie with everyone down at the pub. And translation for that is that he would work, he would work hard, and he would enjoy a nice cold beer with his friends. Yes, that's the kind of person he was. Yeah. And apparently, he was a great father. His daughter remembers him lovingly. No issues with him. Um, she's given a few interviews, she's one of the few people who've given interviews about Kathy afterwards. So, she gave quite a few interesting details that I never knew, that I had to go look up about their relationship. So, (laughs) poor David. David. So, David got hit. No, no, no. David. Yep. Kellett got hit with a frying pan. And stabbed with scissors. And choked. Yes. David Saunders had his puppy killed, hit with an iron, a frying pan, and stabbed with scissors. John Chillingworth, hit with a frying pan, stabbed with scissors. <laughs> you can see the pattern evolving. <laughs> so I'm just going to take a stab at it 
and say that John Price also encountered a frying pan at some point and maybe scissors. Maybe. Maybe. Well, her and John had a loving, passionate, very fuck-filled relationship. I bet she would have loved this. They both loved sex. Well. So, match made in heaven. A pair of fuck rats. Yep. So, she loved him so much that she moved into his house with him in 1995 with her children and his kids as one big, happy... Brandy Bunch family. family. Yeah. The Stabby Bunch. Do, 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 do. The Stabby Bunch. Do, 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 do. See, Australia is not the place for Brady Bunch. No. But only they slept in separate beds. Mm-hmm. Like, oh no, Mike and Carol had one bed. That shows how much I watched Brady Bunch as a child. I, I only know that it exists and they look like a cult. Because there was such a big taboo, taboo thing about the Brady Bunch because it was the first time on TV that a man and a wife were in a bed together. <gasps> Gasp! Yes, they were always in those twin beds. Like, even if there was a little gap, they were never side by side in a bed, and the Brady Bunch broke that taboo. Gasp. Yes. And we all know Alice, the maid, was a slut. Yes, she was the fuck rat. She was the fuck rat. She used to go see John with the big salami and things <laughs> like that. She used to say things like that. Mmm, salami. Mmm, smoked meat. Mmm, meat. Probably not best in this podcast to get meat, <laughs> given the topic. Well, one night, nothing, they just had like a little row, little tiny row in the middle of the night. Kathy got up, grabbed one of the knives from above the bed, and sliced John across the chest. Yep. <laughs> and then went and got an ABO out on him that he insulted her. <laughs> well, okay, but. But what if we have it all wrong? And what if she did these things out of self-defense? All these men who have all had the same injuries? Yeah, okay. There's a kind of a pattern involved with these things. This is true. So she got out the fake AVO on him, and then they got back together because the AVO is a piece of paper. It means nothing really, in the end. So, they got together again, through sex. She pleaded sorry to him, getting down on her hands and knees, and so on and so forth. So doing the things. Doing the horizontal cha-cha and things like that. But she got upset because he didn't want to get married. Because he had a bad marriage before. Yeah. I mean, they're cool. I wouldn't want to get married either. <laughs> no. So she got so angry at this that she, he had like this whole first aid kit in at home that he took from the worksite because it was being thrown away and a couple of other things. She got a video camera and took video footage of it and some other things and sent it to his boss to get <gasps> him fired. Kathy. And he got fired. Now, news of this got around town. But nothing really happened. And her and John got together again. He got together after she made him lose his job, his livelihood, their income. He got back with her. He got back with her. Of course she did. Toxic relationships. That's what happens. No matter what they do, they always go back to them. So they got back together. Again. Again. So... They restarted the relationship, and they moved back in together, and they'd go hang out at the pub together. And the bottom they, pub? No, they... Oh, yes, the bottom pub at this point in time. Yes. They, so then she demanded a pricey to give her part of the deed to his house, because she had lived there long enough and it was their house. Oh, dear. And he refused to. In, and in the presence of a friend, their friend, this happened down at the pub, she said to him, you'll never go with me out of this house. I'll do you in first. Of course. Yeah. So and she basically did. that was the threat to begin with. Then they started having more frequent fights, which resulted in him losing his friend, ending up being stabbed with scissors, hit the frying pan. <gasps> I never would have guessed. And eventually... 
the fateful night of the 29th of February in the year 2000. I remember this murder because I remember it being in the newspapers. Wow. And I had to ask mum and dad what's a cannibal. Because it was in the newspapers. And look at you now. Yeah. So, on February 29th, it was a very eventful day. A very, very eventful day. So, Price, who would be continually assaulted by night, kicked her out again. Oh, dear. Kicked her out of the house again. And he went to work, asked if he could leave early, so that he'd go get a restraining order. And his boss is just like, yeah, sure, go for it, mate. Like... Enough is enough, go get the restraining order. So he went to the Scone Magistrate's office, but was told it would take three weeks to get a restraining order against her. Three weeks too late. Three weeks too late. So he went home and went across the road with a six-pack and some ciggies to his friend and neighbour, Trevor Lewis. And they had a good yarn. They had a lot of long chat with each other and talked. And Pricey basically said, well, if my car's out the front in the morning, bring the cops, which you done me in. Yeah. And then he went home at 11 at night. Now, whilst Knight had been kicked out of the house, she went out and bought some little black lingerie, had dinner at her daughter Natasha's house, videotaped, like, them all having things and kind of watches and reads from the court documents as, like, a living will. Mm -hmm. Like, saying, oh, I want this to happen to you and get this to something whatever to happen to me and all this stuff. So it was pretty ominous. So also, too, um, the day or two after she was kicked out, like, a few days before this happened, she took her kids out for dinner. No, this was all on February 29th. What? She took the kids out for dinner with Natasha. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, and she said the words, I just want it to be special. And I watched a small interview with Natasha. Yeah. And she was saying that she was instantly worried because it was unusual to go out for dinner. Yeah. Um, and she was worried that something bad was going to happen. And she asked Catherine, are you going to hurt Pricey? Yeah. And there was no answer. Yeah. And then Kathy asked Natasha, can you look after the younger kids tonight? Yep. And she found that odd because that didn't happen very often. Yeah. So then Knight went, so Knight went back to the house and was waiting for Pricey watching TV. And they both went to bed at 11, and they fucked. Oh, so they had time. Now, now comes midnight of March 1st. Dun, dun, this this dun. happened in a leap year. Yep. February 29th, leap year. Yep. I wonder how many murders have occurred on a leap year. We'll have to look it up. No, one. Hmm. We'll have to do the math. Yes, that would be interesting to find out. So, the next morning... Trevor noticed that the car was still at the front. And Price, who was usually the guy to turn up at work first thing in the morning before everyone else. Nice and early. Yeah. So they called the police. But and Lord, what happened on that night? Those poor coppers, they had... Coppers means police. They had a doozy of a day to walk in and be working on shit. So... The detectives who came that day was Detective Sergeant Bob Wells. Bob Wells. So they tried to look through the windows to call out the privacy. They knocked on the door. Nothing happened. When they looked through, they could just see, like, the living room and the curtain and the, like, blocking the view into the yeah, hallway. Yeah, big drape. Yeah. So they went around the back and broke in. So... They walked down the hallway and into the living room where the curtain was, and he pushed aside like the curtain with his arm, and he notices his arm is wet. And cold. Oh. And he looks down and he notices blood and he thinks he must have like cut himself breaking in. But he was covered. His arm yeah. was covered. And in then blood. he went, "Oh, what's this?" And they walked into the living room, 
and he turned around and he looked at the curtain that he had touched and it was a human pelt. A pelt. So a pelt is basically a whole skin animal with one incision. Yep, so she skinned Pricey. It was the human pelt with no head. And he said to the other cop with him, don't turn around, don't look. So what do you do when someone tells you that? They looked. And then they saw in the corner, propped up in a chair with his legs crossed and his arm draped over a soft drink bottle. The headless corpse of... John Price. Headless, skinless corpse. Yes. Of John Price. Skinless corpse of John Price. Yeah. Headless and skinless. Wow. And then they walked into the kitchen. And in the kitchen, they could smell like a stew cooking. And they they both said it smelled like a nice stew that, like, your grandmother yeah. made. When they walked in there, there was a pot that had been turned off on the stove. Yep. And two plates at the, on sitting on the kitchen bench with his kids' names written on them. Biggie and Jonathan. Yep. So. And on the plates though, there was like some meat, potatoes, vegetables, gravy. And they didn't, they thought, oh, okay. And then when the body was examined, they chunks were missing from his buttocks. Yes. They had rump steak. Rump steak. And Bob said to the other sergeant, I bet you one give you one guess where the head is. And then they looked inside the pot. Looking back at them was John Price's head, alongside some carrots, parsnips, potatoes, eggplant, mushrooms and tomatoes. So she made a stew out of his head with the intention of serving it to his family. Yep. Now she cut off three steaks. Yes. Two for the kids. They were cooked in the oven alongside the roast vegetables. And one was in the backyard. Backyard that had a piece missing. Whether the dogs fit into it or her, no one knows. Mm. So let's go through the process of John Price's murder. Because it was a process. So he was stabbed 37 times in the chest and back. Yep. With a few times in the abdomen. The knife marks so accurately on the body during the postmortem they could tell exactly where he was stabbed and how deep and with what knife. Wow. So it appears. It appears that he started in the bedroom, got stabbed, tried to turn on a light switch, walk out, stumbled through the hallway, hit one wall and then another, yeah. and made it to the doorway before she got to him again yeah. and did the stabbing because there was a large pile of blood. There was blood all along the walls in the hallway, the floor. It, there was a lot of blood. And then she dragged the body into the living room. And used her bony knife to sever him between between the C3, C4 junction of the head. Jeez. Which she would have learned at the abattoir yep. slaughtering of the pigs. So she removed his head with such surgical precision that they would have been able to attach it all back if they wanted to. Wow. That's how accurate it was. So she removed his head and then made, then cut the rest of the body into a human pelt with one single incision. And if you've ever deboned or skinned anything, that means meticulous little knife cuts. So it would have been a long process. But she did it. She did it. Of the skin and the head, she did it so well that during, at the end of the autopsy, they were able to put his skin back on like a glove and stitch it up through the one seam. Wow. So I think that's the fingers, toes, everything. Like, accurately enough that they could slide it on like gloves. That's amazing surgical precision and amazing bony skills. Props to her on that. That is impressive to do without one single nick in the skin. Not a single nick through the skin. Wow. 
so her time at the abattoir came well. She then cut off steaks from his gluteus maximus, yep. which is rump steak. His buttocks. And cut that into three pieces. Yeah. So abattoir skills again, and cook them in the oven. So she did that. Then she made the stew of his head. And when they found the stew, it was still at 40 to 50 degrees, which means that happened around 2, 3 a.m. in the morning when they found oh, it. Oh. Now she labelled the plates that she served the steaks up on with the kids' names yep. and left notes. The contents of the notes were never fully made aware, but then she left another note that said, if I can't have your father, no one will. Huh. Now, they don't know whether she took a bite of the steak or not, or before she threw it to the dog. But yeah. Then she went up. So, but wait, where is she in all of this? Where has she gone after uh, killing him? She went out, got dressed, showered, got dressed, and went out. And went to the ATM with his card and took out a thousand dollars and two five hundred dollar ones at the ATM in this time. Huh. She then propped the body up in his favorite recliner with the soft drink bottle and crossed his legs in the way he would always sit in his favorite recliner. And she left a note on top of a photo of him and her that contained false accusations of him raping her daughter and his kids with the statement I will recite it verbatim. The grammar is not good, remembering that Kathy never learned how to read or write when she left school. And I can't do a voice because it's so bad. Time got you back for rapping my daughter. You two back Price's daughter for Rose. Little John Freese's son. Now play with little gins, Dick John Price. Wow. And there was originally a lot of spelling mistakes and a lot of grammar issues. And it basically actually read, Time got you back for raping my daughter. You took back Price's daughter for Ross, little John Price's son. Now play with little John's Dick John Price. Wow. It was pretty hard to actually read. She then went to bed and took a handful of chlamoxazine and promethazine. So promethazine is an antihistamine, so phenergan. Yeah. And phloxamine is an antidepressant. So they both make her extremely drowsy and basically in her hopes fall asleep and never wake up. Ooh. Unfortunately, the police found her asleep because they had light snoring. And woke her up and arrested her. (sighs) Poor John. He had... He had an interesting end. Yeah. And then they had the court case. Oof. Oh, and it went on very quickly. Like, very, very quickly. She was arraigned on the 2nd of February 2001 and charged with his murder. Now, when she was questioned by police, she claims that she never remembers a thing. She remembers going home, watching TV, and then when the police wake her up. That's all she claims to remember to this day. Now, psychiatrists and psychologists cannot confirm whether she has true amnesia or not and say that her pattern of memory is not consistent with true amnesia, but it could be possible. Yeah. So she was then... Justice O'Keefe, who proceeded over, declared that he believes that Knight knows more, but for emotional and litigious purposes is lying and withholding information. Wow. Now, when the witness, Kathy originally pled not guilty because of this amnesia. Now, they read the witness list and court was adjourned that day. And the next day she came back and pled guilty. Huh. So whether she just knew her time was up or not, we don't know. But when they read out how John's body was found, uh, Kathy had a complete breakdown in court. Um, They can't say whether it was real or not. 
Now, one of the things that came out in the court case was that she told her brother, her half-brother, Ken, about two weeks beforehand, I'm going to kill Pricey and I'm going to get away with it because I'll get away with it because I'm going to make out on that. Wow. She said that to her half-brother and that was released in court. So she was then sentenced to life in prison without parole. The yeah. first woman in Australia to ever receive that sentence. And yeah. at this point in time, still the only woman in Australian history to receive that sentence. Wow. So Justice O'Keefe sentenced, sentenced her and declared that she was so meticulous that the murder would have had to have been premeditated and that she must have taken perverse pleasure in the act based on her history and that she had evil actions and that her amnesia is aroused to prevent being questioned. And the fact that the prisoner shows no regret or remorse to events, even through counselling, is a sign of why she should never be released and will never. And he made it so that she could never be released from prison. See, what I don't quite understand is if you're already doing that whole life sentence, like why not just confess and take the credit? Maybe the amnesia's real. Yeah. But her life in jail is quite interesting. There's a book um, called Green is the New Black by James Phelps. It's all about um, Silverwater Jail, like the women's wing, yeah. and the women who live in there and that, and it is such an interesting read. And there's a whole section in it um, where he interviews Victoria Shenbury, yeah. who she was a woman who actually was in the same wing as Catherine Knight. But she was, Victoria Shembury was in there for fraud, like alleged fraud and things like that. Yeah. So Catherine is classed as a Category 4 inmate. So that's a high-risk inmate. Yeah. 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 Can never be alone. Basically, if you think of prison shows, she's that prisoner who's surrounded by guards at all times. Yes. Now, Shembury met Catherine Knight for the first time and didn't know who she was. And they got along really well. And Knight taught her how to crochet. Uh-huh. Knight was one of the nicest people that was in there and was her closest relationship she had in prison. And Kathy even said to her she still doesn't remember what happened, but she believes that it must be true based on the evidence. She wow. doesn't remember it. Now, Knight by the other prisoners in jail is referred to as Nana because she is just like a Nana in jail. She yeah. is apparently very loving. She doesn't get angry. She's never been violent. Nothing. She's extremely popular. She's the mediator for all the arguments that stops them and oh. everything. She's a very kind soul, apparently. Like, when people break down, she goes and comforts them and yeah. things like that. So she's even the prisoner event planner for their Mawala wing. Oh. So she organises every Friday night, they have a catch-up meal, everyone. They all have a meal together. Even the people she's not a big fan of, she makes sure that they come and that they're invited and that they're part of it. What's on the menu? My ex-husband. <laughs> but she is apparently so loving and different in jail to the woman that we've heard everything about. Yeah. And it makes you wonder if after she committed the murder. It was just a snap. It was just a snap, because it's very interesting. But Kathy's night in jail is that she works in a factory making headphones from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m., mm-hmm. and is the hardest worker there and takes pride in her job there. Wow. And she's surrounded by guards. She Four guards at all times when she's in there. She then goes to has lunch and goes to her cell. Now, she's in a single cell that has one table. She make, she draws fantastic pictures. She writes letters to all her kids all the time, but has never received one back. She never gets any visitors. Um, they call her a bit of a craft holder. She's got crocheting needles, knitting needles, painting crafts, all these crafts in her cell. Crochet blankets everywhere, pillows, everything. She's making like her room homely as possible. And when she's not doing anything, she just sits there and crochets. Huh. So, and, she sells the art that she does, and all the profits go to the jail. Well, that's cool. And funds, like, stuff for the prisoners and that. 
Now, Shembri's kids came and visited her one day, and one of her kids was really kind to another child that was there. And Kathy was so touched, she asked the boy, would he like a picture? And he said, yes, could you paint me a Bart Simpson picture? And she did, and Shembri still has that painting hanging above her house that day. Wow. And all the guards that have had her said she's a strong-willed woman, but she's never been involved in altercations. She's always polite. She has no anger. Now, Knight's already in prison for life. Yeah. So being violent and that's not going to do anything for her, so she may as well be a moral prisoner, you could say, just to make her life easier. But they tried to move her out of her cell once because the jail was so full into a second-person jail cell, and Knight had a complete breakdown then, saying, no, no, I can't do it, I can't do it. If you do it, I'm afraid I might kill again. I don't want to. No, 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 no. And Shembri and other prisoners and guards all say she was so sincere in it. Yeah. That everything that they knew kind of fell out their asses. They just didn't know yeah. what to take. Oh. And she's so well trusted in the prison that she's a general mass general massacre. <laughs> the general <laughs> the general managers clerk. Wow. So she's a general mass uh, the GM's, I'm just going to say GM's, yeah. the GM's clerk and does his mail and things like that for him. Wow. So it's really interesting to see such a big contrast, but then you hear nice kids have all said that she was a loving, caring mother, but you hear someone else saying that she boiled a child's arm, basically. Yeah. And now she's in jail and she's the most loving, caring See, and it just goes to show, was it just a snap when she was unmedicated and going through things? Was it just a snap, a spur of the moment thing? She had the antidepressants in the house. Hmm. So. I guess it's something that we'll just never know. No, it'd be very interesting, but it's just interesting to know that she has this complete other side that we just know nothing about. No. I never knew anything about that until I read this book. Mm. And it's such an interesting book to read. Like, there's stories of so many different women, like, mm. from the guards, ex-prisoners, So everything. what book is this? Green is the New Black by James Phelps. Green is the New Black. It's really good. It's a very, very good book. Excellent. I'm going to have to check it out. Yeah. But I think that's about all we had time for today, really. Yeah, I think so. Um, to get you guys buzzing, I think you guys should go over and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. All under Drag to Hell. Yeah. Nice and, and simple. Um, tell us if you do or don't eat awful, or as Connie likes to call it, awful. Yes. Woo! Mmm, braised heart. So you had heart the other week and you never knew. You're disgusting. What you think was in your misaka? Um, this is why you can't be trusted. No, it was just lamb and beef. <sighs> Alright guys, thank you for tuning in for another episode of Drag to Hell. And as always, remember, drink the Kool-Aid!